everybody to the variant brothers podcast i'm so excited that we're going to be able to take on the eternals oh and uh we're also going to be covering venom number one but before all that let me introduce you guys to the team variant number one l charms that's right variant number one the luckiest variant of them all variant number two mr young g yep variant number two <laughs> and variant number three mad d same yeah <laughs> save the intro for later i guess <laughs> save the best for last that's what i wanted to say it was like that and saved by the bell <laughs> oh, yeah. i think i mixed so one. many so many ways it could have gone i didn't expect it to go that way <laughs> yeah all right guys before we dive into venom number one i'm gonna give you guys the what if question the what if question as always deals with the comic although this time it'll be a little more tangential all right so what if you were given a book that, when you opened it up, told you when and how you were going to die. Would you open the book? And if you did, what would you do to change it? I'll go first. I would totally open the book. I would love to know how I'm going to die and when I'm going to die. So I could live life to the fullest until then. You know, if it says you're dying Tuesday, I'm spending all my money from here to Tuesday. You know, there's people who are like, no, I wouldn't want to know. I'd like to keep it a mystery. No, I want to know. But that's just me. l Charms. So you're saying it can change. It can. But you're still going to die one day, eventually. Oh, yeah, of Either course. Way, eventually, of course. it won't change. You're going to die of eventually. Course, of but, course, yeah. You could rewrite the book. But that yeah. means, like, if I do something to change it, will the book change? Yeah. But then you'd have to reopen the book and re-see what it changed to, if it changed. Oh, then, yeah, I'm definitely opening the book. I'm going to be. I'm gonna write my own ending. Like, come on, I'm going to change it as much as I can until I'm satisfied with the ending. What if you open it, like, and it doesn't change? And then you do something else, and you open it, it doesn't change again. Don't throw away the book. <laughs> I got Stupid what I need. book is broken. <laughs> exactly, right? Like, this book over here don't work. <laughs> Young G? Yeah, I wouldn't open it. You wouldn't open it? No. That's like going to watch uh, that new Spider-Man movie and looking at all the spoilers. Yeah. Oh, man. You don't want spoilers for life? I don't want spoilers for life. All right. Wow. All right. Have fun getting hit by the bus. All right, Matt D? Uh, I was have to agree with uh, Young G here probably wouldn't want to open it i mean you get nervous anticipating you know the thought and yeah it's like you you're assigned to do a speech and you get all nervous you know with the sweats and all that and you're just thinking procrastinating it's like oh man i don't want to be in that situation so nah sounds don't a little bother. personal to me yeah you don't like you doing speeches <laughs> have you seen the cover of a book <laughs> well you get nervous and all that i hate it but you know obviously i do it but still i mean that don't put me in that situation <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, believe me, if I find the book that says how you're going to die, I won't show you. Thank you. I'll, I'll wrap it up as a Christmas present for you. Oh, <laughs> damn. What if we like get it graded? <laughs> <laughs> then, you, then you wouldn't be able to open it. <laughs> there you go. You would never case. be able to open it at that point. All right, guys. Now we're going to be moving on to the summary of Venom number one. L-Charms, take it away. Long live the king. The king in black has died. After a mission in space, Venom is warned that his end is nigh. He returns to Earth to warn his son. But will Venom make it in time? And who is this threat that's looming in the shadows? Find out in Venom number one. Do we find out, though? Okay, listen, we don't find <laughs> out, but I gotta end it somehow, man. It's like, I don't know if you Here's guys remember. Hint. Well, I guess, yeah, but you, I don't know if you guys remember the old Dragon Ball. That's what I based my summaries on. Find out next time on Dragon Ball. Ooh. I'm giving you guys all the behind the scenes right now. Wow, so now you guys know. Every time it will end with, find out next time on whatever comic book we're reading. So, 
did we like this book, you guys? Like is a very relative term. <laughs> do I like chocolate? Not really. What? Wow. Do I like okay. Venom? Yeah, he's a cool character. Did I like Venom number one? Listen, it's definitely a comic book. It is a comic book in the fact that it has pages and you can turn them and it has art. I did not like this book. Guessing El Charms did not like it either. What about you, Maddy? Young G? Uh, it wasn't so bad. I mean, like you guys are just throwing the trash. I don't know. But I mean, 100% right into the <laughs> trash. All I 200 mean, pages of it. St- I'm still holding it in my hands, you know? It's not, I thought it was fine. It wasn't horrible. Yeah, I, I want to say it was okay. It, it is a pretty thick book. So when you're not too into it, it does start to feel like, you know, a chore just to keep on reading and reading it. Listen, I'm just mm. going to say you hyped me up from Venom 200 and it jumped to Venom number one, which is Venom 201 with the legacy with the legacy numbering. You hyped me up so much that when I read it, I was so let down. Yeah, I was let down too. Me three. I guess not Mad D. Yeah, not Mad D. <laughs> but yeah, the King of Black storyline that, you know, um, ultimately ended with Venom number 200 was really good. One of the best that Marvel's done in quite a while. And when we got the tease for Venom 1 at the end of it, I was really excited. I was getting ready to jump into this new one. I thought it was going to be just as, if not more exciting, some more action. And at the beginning, you kind of get like a little hint of that. But then it quickly just goes off the rails and just, you know, it's all downhill from there. You know, like El Trump said, you have this nice little mission in space. Now that Eddie Brock can kind of like jump his consciousness into any symbiote anywhere in the universe. Because he's the new, like, well, spoilers, I guess, for King of Black. But he's the new symbiote god. He gets to this little mission in outer space, and one of the symbiotes goes rogue. Yeah, and see, and that's the best part of this comic, was that out of, that out of Earth, that outer space mission. That was the best part of this comic. I really enjoyed that part of it. I really enjoyed seeing Venom's son, Eddie Brock's son, going to school, and how, like, you know, his little background story that you get in this. But I think it takes a big swing by spoiler alert killing off the character killing off eddie brock right at the end and then doing my most favorite thing in every comic book bringing him back to life you know if you're gonna kill someone off they stay dead or you don't kill him off at all like there's no point in killing someone if you're just gonna bring him back okay defend well, it. i guess defend it <laughs> well like uh what professor said i do enjoy the fact how Brock was able to uh, change his conscious to the other symbiotes. I really like that. Not sure if that was uh, done in the previous, you know, uh, Venom books or not, like from the Null comic series or not. But I didn't read that part. I didn't read that series. But on this one, I'd really enjoy that. And I do like the fact how that rogue villain came to play in the end and surprised uh, Eddie Brock in the spaceship with the red eyes and all that. And he just like turned to dust in the end. I like that too. I like that scene. I d- yeah, I kind of agree. I didn't like the fact how uh, Eddie Brock kind of dies in the end and then comes back to life. That part, I was kind of, that, that was too quick. You know, she was just like left us hanging or like, oh, till next time, what will happen to Eddie Brock? See, I was confused about that. I thought that he died. And Eltrons and I had a discussion about this earlier when I thought that he was just dead, dead, you know, at the end, spoiler, you kind of see him hold his skull, you know, and it's just like, oh, Eddie Brock is dead. But then like two pages before that, it says that he had like reconstituted his matter or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he reconstituted his matter, I think, is the words ripped right out from the comic book. But that's kind of what I'm saying. It's like, if you're going to kill somebody, leave him dead. That's fine. It's okay if someone dies. Thing is, if you have more stories for that person, leave them maimed. Leave them in a in the hospital bed. 
There's so many other ways to write your characters, but like the, this is always going to be my argument with comics. If you know, if you want to kill somebody, make sure they stay dead, and if you don't want to kill somebody, just hurt them and just you know put them in a put them in a coma. You know, another scene that kind of remind me of like some other uh, movie is the Terminator, right? Oh, you're talking about the, the Personator, scene, yeah, where we get two Eddie Brocks. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, oh, okay, okay, see, but see, see, that, see, like I would have rather seen more of that story uh-huh. than what we got. I was actually going to base my what if question on that, but I was like, how do I, how do I make that make sense? You know, I was like, do you, you know, like that whole horror story where it's like, oh, you hear your mom calling you from downstairs and then you hear your mom calling from upstairs. Like, don't oh, go. I heard yeah. it too. And I was like, oh, which one do you follow? You know, ooh, scary. But like, I, I didn't really know how to make that into a question. But yeah, I thought that was a very interesting scene. I thought we we're going to get, you know, a follow up to that or something like that. But nope, that gets pretty much dropped as yeah. soon as it's mentioned. And then, yeah, next thing you know, uh, Eddie Brock is getting blown up. And, you know, Dylan is on his own, bonding with Venom and, I guess, taking bullet shots, you know, and just wrecking havoc. Like I said, those action parts were good. Don't get me wrong. It's just the story itself is a little lacking. I mean, it could have been better. It's a full-size issue. I mean, it's a thick issue. Yeah, like two comics into one. That's how thick it is, guys. Yeah, that's how thick this issue is. But to me, it doesn't do it for me. Now, if it's your first time reading comics then I think it's a great intro issue. Like, if this is the first comic you ever pick up, it's fun. Better than Berserker. Oh, definitely better than Berserker. But no, it's a fun comic to pick up your very first time. Like, you've never read any Venom comic book. You've never read a comic book in your entire life. Pick this up. You might like it. Like, just because we don't like it doesn't mean that it's a bad comic. It's just not our taste. Mad D really likes this comic, I guess. I don't know. He thinks it's okay? I think it's okay. It's not. It's not as bad as we think it is? Yeah, so I don't know. I'm just kind of confused what's going on here. It is an issue number one. It is an issue number one. So, you know, we do have to kind of wait and see how everything plays out. Maybe it'll make sense in the end. One positive, the variant covers are all really good. Yes, I agree with that one. I really do like the variant covers. The artwork, they spared no expense. Very interesting stuff. What about that original cover, like the common cover? Yeah, that's The variants are good, but what about this one? Yeah, that common cover is really nice, too. To be honest, I saw it, I was like, I'd get that cover if it was the only one left. Yeah. Yeah. I had no choice. Yeah, I would get that one. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. But quick question, was this like still available in your comic book shops or Yes. Yeah. Was, only, I, know, I know it was really popular though. It was. Yeah. Available on my Yeah. On Comicsology. <laughs> Comicsology, they have too many. Only the regular cover was available in mine. I got one of the last ones of the red variant and mm-hmm. then I did see a couple of the purples, but other than that it was just like the regular variant. Now or not very it's popular don't get me wrong it's a popular comic it's just i think it's just that we expect a little more from these comics like we're looking at it through a different set of eyes we're like looking at the comic and we're critiquing it and we're basing it off all the other comics we've read but like i said first comic you guys have ever read pick it up you're gonna like it yeah we've been doing this for a couple months now so we're all snooty now you know we're all those (laughs) comic book people who yeah you know we just like look we expect the certain je ne sais quoi about our stories (laughs) now you know (laughs) No, but not only that. I mean, the story, the story, don't tell me wrong. It, don't get me wrong. It's okay, but that's all it is. I think after Young G's review of Venom 200, it was hyped up so much for me. And I think that no matter what, it was never going to live up to the hype for me. I don't think that it wouldn't have lived up to the hype for me. I was expecting more action. And in parts where we didn't get action, I was like, okay, we'll get story. But we didn't really get story either. Eddie Brock kind of like, projects his mind into the future and he has to like fight his way back at all times he has to like fight to remain present in his own body because you know like i said he's connected to every symbiote in the universe and it's just like 
I don't know. You can't really connect with that level of godlike power, first of all. And second of all, like, it doesn't do anything for me to be like, oh, no, I have to focus on Dylan right now. And, you know, nothing really comes of it, you know, because like we say, he gets blown up and that's it. You know, I don't know how they know where he was. I don't know who called them. I don't even know what's going on. You know, like why they're chasing after Dylan all of a sudden, who the second Eddie Brock was that wasn't the real Eddie Brock, who the actual bad guy was, like even the guy at the end. I don't even know who he is. Like, I don't know. It's just a whole bunch of I don't knows. And this was not explained to me. Yeah, there's a lot of sequences in this comic that you're saying, but I feel like none of it, like it kind of drops the ball in that. Like nothing doesn't really push the comic or answer anything. Obviously, issue number two may do that, but still it's it's so many sequences and it's at the same time it's doing nothing i don't know that's the way i kind of see it compared to the venom 200 yeah there's a lot going on towards the end i get kind of like confused or like second guessing like what am i reading here like on a scene it shows like kang the conqueror and then it shows like bent lamb some type of red monster i'm like and it's just one page and then it just they just disappear so i'm like okay that's kind of quick and I don't know. They could have explained it a lot more better on this one. So that part was a little bit confusing. That was like towards the end of it. And definitely I'm going to have to read this again. And this is a long comic book. So I'm not looking forward to <laughs> reading it again on it. But I don't know. That's just like my two cents there. All right, guys. We're going to wrap it up here and let's give our ratings. Let's start with Young G. Yeah. I had to give this like a six, like a solid six. It does drop the ball if you compare it to issue 200. I understand the argument that Ultron's bringing that if it's your first issue number one, your first comic ever that you read, it probably is a good comic in that. I just, like I said, it, it, it drops the ball and with all these sequences, it doesn't really, I guess, push one event or I guess action of it. It, it really does hurt it overall. So I give it a six. All right. Ultron's? This one's going in the trash pile for me. It's the story doesn't hold up. It could be better. Definitely could be worse. So I guess it's just middle of the way. Like I said, if it's your very first comic, maybe pick it up. Maybe this is something you like. For me, I'm just not looking forward to this kind of story. Other thing is, if you kill someone, let them die. If not, find a different literary device. Like, no one has to die just for drama. Come on. And then bring them back later just for, I don't know, suspense. I disagree. Have you seen Days of Our Lives? (laughs) Yes, that's that's the that's the uh, the pedestal I hold everything to. Days of our lives. Yeah, that's it right there. What is that? And the biggest thing I, I I really disliked about this comic, it starts at the end and then goes back to the ending throughout the whole comic. It's so two thousand cliche. Like, let me tell you how I got here. Like, come on, guys. Like, no, we could do better. I expect better. Don't be sorry. Be better. Mad D. All right. So I mean, I do get like how L Charms doesn't like the fact how um, Brock dies and then comes back to life. Okay, I do get that. But you have to understand, he's the now the king of black, so obviously he's not going to die right away. He literally died right away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me completely dead. removed from the storyline. Let, let, let story it line. says right here, issue number <laughs> one. And oh, what's the first? Oh, oh Brock's dead. <laughs> but okay, completely removed from yeah. the storyline there. Again, he is the King of Black, so obviously we're going to like read more of him. And I do like the fact how they introduced his son, Dylan, because I don't know too much about him. So I'm pretty sure he's new to all of us, right? Maybe, maybe not. Well, to me. I do like the fact that the scenes like him like moving to other symbiotes, uh, that was pretty dope. Like I said, I do like the Terminator scene. Obviously, like the villain 
trying to, you know, impersonate to like Eddie Brock. And I don't know, there's a lot of cool scenes again. And overall, it wasn't a completely horrible comic. You know, there's different split scenes. It could have been like a better flow. Um, some scenes were a little bit confused, but nevertheless, I really enjoyed reading the comic book. So I'm going to give a cowabunga on this one. And just to add to that, I did check online and number two is hype. And I think most of the comics are already sold out just because the new villain comes out on issue number two. So just a heads up on that. If you're able to get issue number two, kudos to you, especially if you're able to get like a virgin variant or a pretty crazy variant. I suggest get that right away because it's going to be hot. All right. As for myself, oh, man, I, I really wanted to jump into this. I really wanted to like it, but I really don't. I'm going to give it a D for right now. It's just it did not meet my expectations. I don't really want to pick up the next one. But I mean, I like what Matt D said right now that it's getting hot. And, you know, if you can find it, get it just to see where it's going. I might pick it up. But, you know, there's other things that I want to read before this. Whereas before there was nothing that I was looking forward to more. I really wanted to read this. I thought it had a lot of potential. And like I said, it just, it didn't do it for me. I'm hoping that, you know, other subsequent issues will help out with that. But as of right now, like I said, I'm going to give it a D. It's time for L Charms giveaway. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to be giving away two copies of this comic book to two lucky listeners. Find out how you can get on that on Instagram at Variant Bros. And I will do my best to remind you guys on Twitter to go to Instagram. Don't worry, guys. I'm actually giving away variant copies. So you'll get to own one of these cool variant covers that we're talking about here. Yeah. um, If you guys don't want them, I'll take them gladly. But, you know, I guess we are not allowed to enter because I entered last giveaway and I was completely skipped over. So Yes, you were. Yes, you were. We are not allowed (laughs) to enter. (laughs) Moving on to our pal. We're going to be moving on to Mad D. What's your pal for this week? Yo, check it. My pal is Hellcop number one. All right. So this is by Brian Haberlin and Gerard Van Dyke. The reason why I picked this up is because uh, New Brave World Comics, they were able to get the writer to their comic book shop. So I was fortunate to meet him and get a variant of Hellcop issue number one. It's basically the main character in the front. And then the background, you have uh, Spawn. So that's a pretty great cover. So I got that one, and I got it signed by Brian Haberlin. Big props to you guys. That being said, I'm going to go over it. Um, Hellcop issue number one. The main character is uh, Virgil, a.k.a. Verge, a.k.a. V. And he has a partner in crime named Karen. And basically, they're cops, and they capture, uh, you know, they go after monsters. And um, when they capture, like, this big, huge monster, you see this little tiny monster, like, just running away. And, there, and Virgil's head is like, why is he running? Something's, you know, he must be guilty for something. So he goes after him and he gets uh, punched by him. And it basically gave him like, a, like a, a stun, you know? And this is not normal because usually the, like weak monsters, they're like weaker than human. So once he got punched, like Mike Tyson, he was like, what the heck? What's going on? And it's because he got like a, a Chapman punch due to like some artifact that he held. And... Because of this artifact, he's like now searching like what's going on with this artifact. Like, I need to know more about it. Like why does he have like enchanted powers? And um, he's just trying to like find signs, do some research, talking to people. And then in the end, like Karen, his partner, like calls in the middle of the night, like saying, "Oh, I got like information on the artifact that you wanted to know about." 
and he's like and she's like oh yeah come over and so when he comes over to karen's apartment she's there dead on the floor and you see like his commander there and like other people there and he's like heck like what's going on and they're saying like you kill karen so now it's like in the setup and that's where it leaves you off so this is a pretty great um storyline uh if you like uh spawn if you like uh like Batman detective type of things. This is your book right here. So pick it up if you can. I noticed you like lots of books with monsters and like capturing monsters and defeating monsters. Yeah, who doesn't like monsters? You gotta you gotta think for monsters. And where can I pick up the artifact? <laughs> <laughs> uh was this one traditional price or was this one uh extra? I went for the extra because I do like the cover. Like I said, this is a variant and it did have spawn and the reason why it has Spawn is because the writer, he is involved with, like, Spawn, uh, Lighthouse, um, obviously Hell Cop, so. All right, all right. Young G? All right, so my... Pow. Kapow. Thank you. Uh, is the United States of Captain America issue number two. Uh, <laughs> honestly, it, it did, you know, drop down compared to the first one. Right now, the thing is that they're introducing... Uh, a new Captain America in every issue. It's like a, you know, that everyday type of person dressing up as Captain America, trying to like resolve issues in their community and, you know, trying to achieve their dream and I guess protecting the crew and those closest to them. Uh, and this one we got Nichelle Wright. You know, she's the one who's carrying around the Frisbee per se, living like Steve Rogers, looking after her community. Another story that's in this, in this series is that Captain America did lose his shield. Another imposter did take it. And they're trying to figure out who it is and why they're doing it, uh, him and the Falcon. And I feel like so far they haven't pushed that side of the story. They haven't they haven't done that enough. So I think for that, I'm gonna give it a seven and a half. Pick it up or don't. Wow. You know what? Um I will pick it up when they make like a granny Captain America. That'd be pretty cool. You know, like a little granny with the frisbee throwing it around, protecting her neighborhood. That would be <laughs> hilarious. I'd pick that up. Protecting the streets. Oh yeah. You whip a snapper and you know, throws a shield at him. That'd be great. And it doesn't even move. It just <laughs> falls. It just falls, but it bounces and it hits the kid anyway. <laughs> Eltars, how about you? What's your pal for this week? All right. My pal for this week is Orphan and the Five Beasts. If you like the old Kung Fu movies, you're going to like this. Meet Orphan Mo as she takes on the Five Beasts, five humans who learned a secret martial art and then were corrupted. Now Orphan Mo must defeat them all to save her land. So the best thing about this comic book like I said, if you like those old Kung Fu movies, you're going to love this. This is really cheesy. I mean, the first bad guy, the first beast we meet, his name is Thunderthighs, and he looks like Zangief. It's definitely worth the read. Although, I will say this, it's really hard to find, so your best bet is to go to Comixology, not a sponsor, and buy it for $1.99. I actually had to pay $3.99 for this one, so just uh, L-Charm's tips right there. Ooh, big spender. three ninety nine. Wow. <laughs> but you can own it for one ninety nine. dollars How you going to pay rent? Oh, man. Don't even start about rent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As for my pal this week, um, I have Icon and Rocket, season number one, issue number one, and issue number two. Uh, issue number one deals with Icon and how he arrives to the planet. We get to find out that he's an alien, the only survivor of his race, comes down to Earth, and... He gets found by two slaves in um, South Georgia during uh, slavery times. And uh, I, that's when he kind of like biologically changes from an alien into like, you know, human, African-American, which in the South at this time is not great for him. But, you know, he's 
basically Superman. You know, obviously this is from Milestone, so it's not exactly Superman one to one, but he's a Superman like being where he's very impervious. You know, he has the power of flight. He's got basically any superpower that you could dream of. And so slavery doesn't get him down for long. He ends up breaking the people out of slavery, kicking the slave plantation owners off their property, and basically destroying the whole South during the the Civil War, which is pretty impressive. He does kind of lose sight of this whole superhero thing after a while, kind of gives up on people. And that's when he meets Rocket or Raquel, which I assumed that she had powers because I kind of saw her in Young Justice before. But I've forgotten that she doesn't actually have powers. It's just tech from Icon's planet that she uses. So I thought that was pretty cool that he's kind of like mentoring her, trying to get her off the streets. And they're actually trying to clean up the streets in uh, South Dakota where they live now. That's basically what this comic book deals with. Deals with a lot of racism, a lot of hate, a lot of like socioeconomic disparity, which I think is really interesting that, you know, we have that in comic books now where they're like, yeah, we can keep busting all these people who deal drugs. But at the end of the day, the stuff that's making people deal drugs is poverty and you can't really punch that in the face. So, you know, it's very interesting. I like where this is going. So, yeah, pick up issues one and two. Okay, and now we're going to be moving on to our movie review of Eternals. Now, spoiler warning for the Eternals. Please go watch this movie and come back, listen to this part of the podcast. Or if you don't care about spoilers and you just want to listen to us talk, we're about to be breaking down this story. But first, I want to get, like, general impressions. Did you like the movie? What did you think about it? I'll go first. I really did enjoy this movie. I know a lot of people out there didn't. There's a lot of media out there that I completely blocked out because I wanted to have my own thoughts. And I know that while the world is kind of like iffy on it, I really did enjoy it. The more I think about it, the more fun I had, the more it opens up. You know, there's a lot of theorizing. There's a lot of different places that this can go. So really, truly, that's what I appreciated about this movie, along with the diversity. What about you guys? Was it the best Marvel movie? No. Was it a fun one? Yes. Would I watch it again? Totally. Is it as bad as everyone says it is? Not at all. It's worth the watch. It's a different type of Marvel movie. This is, it doesn't really compare to any of the other ones. Maybe I would say, and, and you guys are not going to like me saying this, maybe it compares to Winter Soldier. Ooh. I, maybe Spicy it compares. Spicy take. I like it. I like it. But uh, we'll, get, we'll get into, no, 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 no. We'll get into why it compares to Winter Soldier later. All right. Yeah. I, I want to say it's a bit lackluster. Just a bit. I can see why people like it and why people don't. It's trying to do something different, which is good. And I think if it did do great, then Disney might kind of push in that direction and make their Marvel films kind of take that kind of tone. And I guess comedy, even though it's not like a comedy movie, but like have different kind of sequences and action and such. So I don't know. It was it was okay. I wouldn't watch it anytime soon again, though. All right. That's messed up. That's messed up. Yeah, it was just okay. It wasn't great. I wouldn't want to watch it like anytime soon. Totally different direction from your typical Marvel movies, which we're getting, you know, getting a feel of these recent movies like Shang-Chi. That was totally different. Eternals, totally different. Obviously, they're going to move towards this direction, whether we like it or not, because it's already set up and planned. But just a heads up, I mean, Eternals did kind of bombed in the box office. No, it didn't. Yeah, isn't it like one of the bottom list of Marvel? No, it is not one of the bottom list. Fact check it, please. I'll, I'll I'll fact check it for you right now. All right, please wait while we fact check whether this movie bombed or not. Professor, dun, dun, dun. what is your top three <laughs> <laughs> favorite characters, favorite Eternal? Well, I'm glad you asked, Young G. <laughs> 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 you 
You see, um, ever since the movie ended, I already knew what my top three were. My top three Eternals in order. Number one, Makari. I love the super speed. I love how it's depicted in this film. Spoilers again. Super mega spoilers. I love how she puts the whooping on Icarus. Like, she's really standing toe-to-toe with him. I thought that that was a really creative use of, like, how a speedster can fight somebody that's on, like, the level of power that Icarus is. Number two for me is Fastos. I just really love the fact that, like, he's a creator and, you know, like, he creates stuff. He's nerdy, you know, big brain. People probably assume that he doesn't do a lot. But then he goes and he also puts the whooping on Icarus. You know, he finds a way to restrain him, kind of drains his powers a little bit, can't use the little laser beams. And he was like, everybody underestimated me. That and, you know, just the fact that, you know, I kind of identify with him a lot. Just the fact that, you know, like I said, nerdy. People don't really assume a lot about him. But, you know, when it comes to protection, you know, he's right there. Uh, Athena. I really like Athena. She's obviously very strong. I love the fact that you cast somebody like Angelina Jolie and you expect her to be like this big person in the movie. And she kind of takes a back seat. And she's also kind of, in a way, you know, I'm not a part of this community, so I can't really say for sure one way or the other. But she kind of like depicts like a mental illness, which I thought was pretty cool because no other character in the MCU has shown that. You know, I kind of thought that it was pretty cool. Tony Stark shows signs of PSD. PTSD? PTSD, sorry. In um, Iron Man 3. You're right. You're right. Sorry, I didn't think about that. And also the same signs that Dina is showing in this movie. I think with her, though, it's more than just PTSD. I think that, I don't know, the last scene kind of really got me thinking, like, maybe it's like a higher form of, like, autism, kind of, where she doesn't really, like, understand and, you know, but, you know, she's still there. Either way, you know, I just thought that it was pretty cool what they did with her character. And if I had to have one honorable mention, it was Icarus, because dude is strong. He's really just everything that you wanted to see. And, like, the fact that you know, he's always been, like, the leader of the Eternals. I didn't foresee him turning evil. That was really cool. Like, I kind of got a sense when they went to Ajax Farm when he was like, oh, the Deviants did this. I was like, ah, oh, dude. All right. Sure. Okay. I was like, I knew, I thought he knew something, but I didn't think that he was, like, you know. In it. Yeah. I didn't think that he was, you know, that much of a zealot at that point. And it was really interesting seeing, you know, his turn. What about you guys? Top three honorable right. missions? I'm going to have to walk that back. You're right. It is the worst grossing movie in the last six years for Marvel. So you were correct. I take it back. Okay. Okay. No problem, but I mean, still, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, it all depends on the audience. What do you guys think? All right. <laughs> <laughs> but top three, uh, number one, Faustus, the engineer. I mean, he was great. He was great. His whole, uh, and I'm going to say this for my top characters are all the most underdeveloped characters in the movie that I wanted to see more screen time. And that's why they're my top characters. I wanted to see more of Faust. We got to see his like engineering mind work and what he gave to the humans. Number two, Gilgamesh. Dude was a powerhouse and I'm sad that we didn't get to see more of him. Major spoiler alerts. He dies in this movie. So we're not going to get to see any more of him afterwards either. Well, technically, they're going to the World Forge. There's a hundred more Gilgameshes out there, oh, maybe more, in the next one. So they could always bring them back. Just say, I don't like when they bring them back. <laughs> I don't like <laughs> when they bring characters back. Dun, nah, dun, dun. Um, make an exception. <laughs> I guess I'll have to for Gilgamesh. Hey, if his story's good, I'll make an exception for Gilgamesh. Okay. Uh, number three, Makari. Uh, yeah, I agree with her. But again, these are all the underdeveloped characters. And my honorable mention is Kingo. Like all four characters that I wanted to know more about that I was really hyped to see in this movie are the four characters that didn't get the most most amount of screen time. So we'll definitely dive into that. Yeah. After this, uh, Young G, how about you? Okay, I'm going to go just right off the bat. Dina, Cersei, Makari, 
an honorable mention, Gilgamesh. Oh, wow. Somebody cracked Cersei into the top three. That's I did not see that happening. Okay. Uh, my top three are Gilgamesh, just because he was like one of the only Eternals that kind of look after Athena, you know, after those like thousands and thousands of years. And it wasn't just like a, a love relationship, you know, like falling in love. It was like more of like, oh, I'm a, you know, keep her safe, keep her in order and be there like as a, a friend, you know. So I do respect that. I do like his powers too, uh, be able to be, you know, super strong. So that was crazy. My second one is uh, Athena. This role is totally, I didn't think of like Angelina Jolie taking this role, you know, to be honest, comparing to her rest of her roles, like in the uh, movies. So this was pretty unique. And I do like the fact how like she didn't play like a big role, but was still part of it. And, you know, still took like an impact on this movie. Third, um, I have to go with, uh, I know I'm going to mispronounce it. Druig? Got it right? Okay. I got it right. Yes. Again, he's the guy that, you know, manipulates and controls, you know, people's minds. That's a pretty dope uh, powers that anybody would like to have, I'm pretty sure. And yeah, those are my top three. If I were to pick like another one, as a top runner, uh, it'll probably be a uh, Icarus, just because I like his powers, you know, the whole uh, beams through, you know, his eyes and could fly and reminds me of Superman. Hey, DC is in the Marvel Universe now. Canon, oh, yeah, so. that's mm-hmm. right. Superman was mentioned in it. Wasn't like Batman. Batman. Yeah, Batman was mentioned in it with the Alfred joke. Yeah. Hey, so they are canon to the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they got the uh, DCU over there and if it's any better than our DCU. Come on, man. Like, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. But now we're going to pop this open. Let's uh, open up the floor. And uh, yeah, everybody who wants to go first. I don't know where to start with this one. Like the characters are very underdeveloped. This is something I didn't like about the movie. There's a big cast of characters. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten Eternals. We got one Deviant who's actually, you know, worth talking about. We've got one comic relief, which I guess was pretty fun. We got one big bad who turns out to be, I spelled his name on here. I can't even pronounce it. Arishim. 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 And then we got three character introductions in one film. That's what I really love about this film, though. Like, it sets up all the next parts of the MCU. Oh, it, do- it does that perfectly fine. But, like, compare this to another film that we got where all the characters were new, Guardians of the Galaxy number one. The only reason they were able to introduce all the characters and develop all their characters is because the cast was so much smaller. Mm-hmm. Half the, the size. Yeah. Half the size. And you, everyone got, like, you got to see everyone's backstory. You got to... You got to you know, feel out how, what their motivations were and everything. Like we got to see Peter Quill. We got to see Gamora's backstory. We got to see Rocket Raccoon have that emotional scene where he's like, I didn't ask to be this. And we got Groot who literally only character development was going from I am Groot and we are Groot. And that was so powerful. You'll make me cry. You need to stop that right now. I'm telling you, man, (laughs) like that was a great way to do character development in this story. You have too many characters and you don't get to develop them. And that was one of my, my gripes about it is the fact that like the characters I wanted to see developed had the least amount of screen time. And the characters that we did get developed were very one-dimensional. Yeah, Icarus is Superman, but that's all he is. He's just evil Superman. He really doesn't have any other motivation other than, yeah, I want this Eternal to rise. That's all his motivation. He's a really one-dimensional character. Spike? I'm sorry. Spe- Sprite? Sprite. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Sprite. Spike. Spirit. <laughs> Nah, nah, Sprite, she was sad about being a kid this whole time. I get that. Don't get me wrong, but 
again, the characters are very, like, they're not deep. I didn't get attached to them as much as I wanted to. Like, when they died, it really didn't matter. Ouch. It really didn't. Like, there was no, I had no emotional attachment to them at that point. Like, this would have done better, straight up, as a Disney series. I would have loved to mm-hmm. seen this, this as a series. I would have loved to see, like, their character development. This just wasn't, wasn't it for me. But I would still watch it again because the movie is, you know, entertaining. It's good. It poses a great question at the end, but I'm going to let someone else talk now. Um, I'll speak a little bit to this because I do kind of echo some of those sentiments. Whereas I do feel like it could have been a great Disney Plus series with like, you know, 20 episodes, 10 episodes, whatever. I feel like it could have done really well there. But I, I'm, I really do enjoy the product that we got on screen. A couple of things that I did not like was that Kingo did not get his yes. arc completed in my opinion like yes yeah we know that he's in love with icarus who isn't in love with icarus in this film and like you know he sees him as a you know as a hero that he doesn't want to you know go against and that's pretty brave of him that's you know definitely a direction that this has not gone before i do think that them not having you know a lot of characters on purpose because as we do find out they are just kind of like robots them having a lot of like purpose or personality i don't know i don't feel like they would have had that you know especially because they are like you know let's say like demigods you know like how personable can you be when you are not really human but they really didn't have like what you're saying is like they're not personable because they're not human but they did have human traits like for example sprite wanted to grow up Xerxes loved the people of this planet like they, those are human traits that they, they evolved humanity. over time that they weren't really like that they weren't like programmed like exactly that. but like the fact that we didn't get to see the developments of kingo of faustus of gilgamesh of makari like they were just relegated to side characters well, you kind of see like Faustus, is it? Yeah, like him, right. like with the technology and the obviously the atomic bomb, uh, and how that impacted him, like not to like create, you know, technology or get, you know, involved like pushing it. Yeah, no, so I. So you kind of see that little development. It's like tiny bit, but it's it's very small. Like very he only, small. He exactly, only had right. ten minutes of screen time right before that happened. Like. 10 minutes is not enough to like emotionally attach myself that's to true. him. Yeah. I think like maybe, I don't know. I don't want to say like that's the point, but I just feel like the more that they interact with people, like the more personable they get, because mm-hmm. like we just said, Fastos is one of the most like actual human like characters. And we know that his whole thing is helping out humanity. Mm-hmm. Druig is not really the most like detached one. If anything, he's like the most interactive with people like you know he's the one maybe that's just because he can you know read minds and reach into people's minds i don't know how much information he really gets back or if he just like controls them but like all that interaction with people has kind of made him you know less like obviously less like icarus but obviously even less like cersei because like even though cersei claims like love people and you know all that i really don't feel that she's you know really evolved as much as some of the others you know that that was personally my feeling. Yeah, yeah. No, don't, don't get me wrong. Like Cer- Cersei is supposed to be how we see the Marvel universe through through the like she's the one who's supposed to be the audience in this movie, and that's why she's there. But that's also why she feels very empty and hollow. It's because you're supposed to fill Cersei up with your feelings, and that's how you're supposed to connect to the movie. Like that's what she is in this movie. And I'm not saying they did a bad job, but I just really wish they would have developed her character more, and they wouldn't do this whole like. You know, they do these very broad strokes that you're just supposed to accept. Like, for example, at the end, you're just supposed to accept that Icarus burns himself in through the sun. And you're just supposed to accept that all the Eternals are just okay with the Sprite betraying them 
and then just coming back. Mm, like those, yeah. like those are the things that they're like really broad strokes that I thought, nah, man, you know, this, this movie suffers from DC syndrome. They're doing really broad strokes and not doing the work to build up the movie. I don't feel like Icarus is actually really gone though. Like even if supposedly he did burn up in the sun, which I don't buy at all. Like we said earlier with Gilgamesh is like, they're going to the world forge. They could always find another Icarus over there. The whole point is that they get destroyed and they get reborn and that they get put on another planet. So Icarus, because he was a pretty good bad guy, I thought, you know, I didn't... No, he's no Omni-Man. Oh, he's <laughs> pretty damn close. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's not, you know, throwing people into the subway or whatever, because, I mean, he needs them. That's yeah, what, yeah, that's what course, they're there of for. Course, of course, you know? like, but, like, like I said, he's no Omni-Man. He's no Homelander. Like, he's not that level of, of, evil, ba- of evil Batman, evil Superman. He's not that level, but he's definitely at that level. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to, you know, the Eternals, yeah, he's that level. Um, honestly, I could have done without Sprite. <laughs> I mean... Sprite the know, drink or Sprite the character? I mean, both, really. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. But, Sprite's my favorite. Look, I like Sprite. The drink, but, the drink. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I don't want to say that she shouldn't be in the movie. And credit to her actress, you know, like, whatever. Acting is hard. It's not oh, easy. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying she did a bad job. She She was great. It's just the fact that, like, she just betrays them all because she's really like in love with Icarus and she can never be with him because she always looks like a kid. And, you know, obviously she can't be with a kid either because she's not a kid, you know, like it's torture for her. And I, I get that, but it's just like, I don't really, I feel bad for saying this. I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like, okay, you have 7,000 years to get over it. Like you're really in love with this guy for 7,000 years. Like not even that great. Like I just, I don't know. You live with Cersei. You saw what he did. He just like up and abandoned her and you're like, oh man, I wish that was me. It's like, I can change him. Oh my god! No, I'm kidding. I'm not, I don't know. I don't know what the logic is behind that. I can't tell you that either. And it's just like, okay, I'm glad that at the end she gets her wish. But I feel like out of all the Eternals, she's like the only one that gets her wish. Like, okay, she gets to be human. Uh, you know, I guess Kingo's always been living the life, so he doesn't really care. You know, but Icarus dies. Ajax is dead. Gilgamesh is dead. You know, Athena. Athena's Athena. I mean, I don't know if she even really has a wish. So, you know, it's just like everybody else is just kind of like whatever. But yeah, she's a person now. And now when Arishim comes back and he's like, all right, I'm going to scoop up all the Eternals. Like she doesn't have any consequences to what she did. She's just like, whatever. All right, cool. Y'all have fun. <laughs> yeah, I'll get to be human, which honestly being human sucks. Like when you have to pay taxes and stuff like that, <laughs> you're going to wish that you were still an Eternal. All right. Well, for me, I just want to give my two cents on it as well. Um, This one. Overall, some parts just drag dramatically. Uh, I got bored at some scenes. For instance, flashbacks, you yeah. know, of Icarus and uh, Cersei, you know, fall in love. I don't need that. Just show me to me like for five seconds, not like a whole, you know, throughout 30 minutes scene. You know, <laughs> it felt like it, but I don't need any of that. Hey, but we did get the first question mark Marvel gratuitous sex scene. If you don't count Jessica Jones, then yeah. Oh yeah, well, yeah, we don't. We don't we count, count Jessica, Jessica Jones. Jones I'm sorry. Here, right, yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. We don't count Jessica. Who? Any of the any of the <laughs> any of the Netflix ones, we don't count. Oh, we count. Well, okay. I was gonna say we don't get to see it in Iron Man, but we do get to see like the some stuff. So, yeah, but I think this is the first one, right? Yeah. I want to say first yeah. gratuitous sex scene. Yeah. Is it gratuitous? I mean, all he does is lay on top of her. Like, come on, dude. That was a lot of skin for a Marvel movie. It was mostly Ooh. his back. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say? He's got a lot of back? <laughs> I mean, yeah, he bulked up for the role, but like, yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. Like, yes, I get, I get the whole point was, you know, they love each other, supposedly, I guess. I roll. But um, I don't know. Uh, it was, it definitely was a scene. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it definitely was like, I don't know. I, on the one hand, I was like, I was expecting more. But on the other hand, it's like, mm, 
how much more can they really show? Oh. <laughs> I guess that's like, you know, more ammo into like this could have been a show. I feel like a show has a much easier time getting away with stuff like that than a movie. Positive is that I do like the uh, leader of the Deviants, Crow, like how he was able to evolve by uh, taking the powers of the some of the Eternals. And he was able to like turn like human-like and was able to speak, you know, to the Eternals eventually after, you know, he took, you know, some of the Eternals' powers. So that part I really enjoy. And I wish like he would not die. I mean, I mean, yeah, I didn't like the fact that he died. I wish, you know, he was still alive and was able to, you know, form his you know full capacity whatever he was able you know to form into i don't know this movie kind of remind me a little bit of uh dark ages with the unmaker you know inside mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. the planet and you know erupt so that kind of remind me of uh dark ages number one they should have went with that they should have called him unmaker from the get-go right? i honestly thought they were going to i was like oh my <laughs> god no way that was so cool and then they were like tmi i was like oh, <laughs> okay yeah so that part i mean it kind of related. I was like, oh, that's so cool because, you know, we read that recently and yeah. it's like, oh, okay. So that was pretty dope. Yeah. I feel like the movie overall was slow, kind of like how with the flashbacks, it didn't help kind of push as much as it needed. And then in the ending, I feel like it was not a lot going on, but I didn't like the idea that there was, you know, we had the deviant, right? And then they're fighting the deviant and then they also have to fight Icarus and then they also have to go stop the, you know, it was like so many things at once and I get that they hmm. have all these members, right? Like, oh, they have the numbers to do it. I just feel like it was not, not too difficult to keep track, but I didn't want to keep track of like, oh, like Thena's fighting, you know, so-and-so and these two are fighting Icarus and, you know, Cersei's trying to, I guess, fight Sprite even though she doesn't do a ton of anything, you know? <laughs> <laughs> ton of anything. All so right. it was just... I don't know. I didn't like really like that portion of it, the battle. And then the ending, I can't remember it correctly, but when he, when Arishon scoops this right, Arishon, yeah, he scoops up like a few of the Eternals and he's like, all right, let me take your memory and take some memories. And he's like, all right, now I'm going to take you guys as well. What was the point of like taking their memories and then go, okay, I'm going to take you guys too. I didn't understand that. Like, why not mm. just take the memories, put them back maybe, or just take them all together. I don't see why he had to go, you know, take a memory and then take them. Right. That didn't make any sense. What you guys are pointing to is the fact that this movie is like the Winter Soldier in this in this aspect, that this movie has no clear villain and it's done on purpose. We know that the Deviants fight with the Eternals, but they're not the clear villain in this movie. We know that Icarus has betrayed the Eternals, but he's also not the clear villain in this movie because this, this movie has no villain. The villain in this movie is morality. And Kingo says it best. Kingo says, if we save the planet, more worlds are not going to be created. More worlds like this one will not be created. Mm -hmm. And if we let the planet die, everybody on this planet dies as well. So it's a question of morality. like, And that's what it came down to at the end. It's a classic trolley problem. No, the, oh, the trolley problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, do you switch the trolley to save one person or kill you know, this group of people? So that's what this is. And that's why it's different than all the MCU movies. The reason I say it's similar to Winter Soldier is because Winter Soldier had a question of morality. Do you let the, what were they called? The system that they were going to put up in the air that did preventative strikes on, on Homeland terrorists? Sure, that. I know well, what you're talking about, but yeah. It's that question of morality is, do you let this go up and invade everybody else's privacy to save possibly some of the people in the world? Or do you shut it down? which they chose to shut it down because Hydra had infiltrated and messed with the programming. We get that. But in at its core, it's a question of, you know, morality, privacy. This is the same kind of question. They're asking you to what would you have done? That's what the what's what the movie wants you to wants you to think about. And yes, they put you in the shoes of Cersei's who decides 
no, I have to save the world. But we also have to understand that we're really biased. And that's also something that Karum says in the movie when they're sitting down and, <laughs> oh, eating, yeah. and eating. He's like, well, I vote for saving Earth, but I might be biased because I'm human. And mm-hmm. that's like literally shouting at the audience. It's like, hey, you guys are going to vote the same way because you're human, obviously. So the thing is, like, when you look at who chose what, it's because they were all doing what they thought was right. That's it. This is why this movie has no villain. Now, it tried to make Crow a villain, but it was so weakly done. Like, I really wish they would have just either dropped that story completely and not introduced Crow or made him stay alive for a next movie. Right, like, yeah. set him up as another villain for the Eternals. I'll, I'll take the second option. I wish that he had kind of stayed alive. Like, maybe managed to get away or like, yeah. mm-hmm. something like that. Um, I do agree with Ultram's that the, this movie has no villain because Ereshem, as much as, like, you know, you think that, wow, you know, he wants to destroy the Earth. How dare he? Like, that's just his job. You know, like that's that's really, you know, he was created to create more worlds. And how do you do that? By creating more Eternals. They pull in the gas clouds and the particles and science and there's more worlds. Marvel science. Marvel science. So like, you know, it's not something that he wants to do. It's not like he has a vendetta against Earth. It's just that's how things have been done for however old the universe is in the Marvel universe. You know, but that's so. the same thing as like when you go outside and you see an ant like we are ants compared to Erisham. Like, and that's, that's all he sees us as. We don't know what, like, you know, what an, what a, what an ant thinks of before you step on it. It's the same thing. Yeah. And, you know, Icarus was portrayed as the, you know, like the big bad, well, bad, not big bad, because whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't think that he was wrong. He thinks that that's his job. You know, that's, that's what he was there to do. That's what they've all done before. Like, why is this planet any different? He doesn't really see it, you know? And I, I think that, that's part of like the genius of the movie is the fact that like this is the most diverse Marvel movie, not just in like nationalities, but also like sexual orientation, things like mental health and other things like that. And in a movie where you have all this diversity, the white guy is the bad guy. I think that that's pretty funny and I think that's pretty interesting. And if you don't want to take it that angle, that's fine. You could say that, you know, the religious zealot is the bad guy or you could say that. You know, it's very interesting that whenever we go to like a diverse place, like when we went to India for the wedding, you know, you saw lots of people, it was vibrant and lively. You went to Mesopotamia, there was a bunch of people there. You know, you went to even like England and, you know, all these other places you went, there was life. But then when you went to the United States to go rescue Ajax, she was on a farm all alone by herself, like in the middle of nowhere. You know, and I feel like there's so many metaphors that are like in this movie that like, that's really like the genius of it, you know? Especially even parts, like we said, like now Superman and, and Batman are technically part of the Marvel Universe. Like, what does this mean going forward? And what does this mean with, like, Ersham showing up, taking the Eternals, analyzing their memories and saying, like, hey, we'll analyze their memories. And if these people deserve to live, then okay, they're going to live. But, you know, if they deserve to die, then we're going to come back and we're going to judge the planet. And, you know, thanks to Guardians of the Galaxy, we've seen how they judge the planet. I think that that's pretty interesting. Obviously, they're going to see Karun and they're going to see him in all the memories. And they're going to be like, all right, plan is saved. All right. This guy, this guy's the best. You know, we all love Karun. Karun is like the best out of the best of this movie. He's so funny. He's great. He was a great addition. I, I really loved him in the story. So, you know, I just think that there's so much in this movie. That's why I really enjoyed it. It was pretty long, I felt. And like Matt D said, there was some spots where it was like, okay, move on. And then there were some spots where it was like, hey, man, let's uh, slow down and let's like, explore this a little bit you know poor kit harrington man like I mean, he was in the movie for like five minutes like you know the post credit scene was all about him which is great but you know i guess we'll get there when we get there but you know like i said not a perfect movie but i i really do enjoy it 
I agree with you. Not a perfect movie, but it was really enjoyable. I agree with what you guys said. Like, yes, there was, it drags on at points. You know, choi- better choices could have been made. Better development could have happened in those, in those minutes than the development they chose. One more thing is that, like, the chemistry between Icarus and Cersei was totally not there for me in the movie. Don't know if that was intentional or not, because obviously, you know, he left her and, you know, she did say that she moved on. There were some parts of it where I was like, did you really move on? Like, you know, I could kind of sense like a little bit, of you know, some stuff there. Because after all, like she said, he left. It's not like she fought, fell out of love with him or whatever. He left and he never came back, which is a huge difference. But, you know, she did find somebody else. And I felt like they're, you know, you know, Dane Whitman and, you know, Cersei, I felt like they had a pretty good relationship. You know, like I thought that she actually did like him, you know, like she smiled at him more than once. She never smiled with Icarus, like as far as I could tell, (laughs) you know, Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I have to go see the movie again. But like, I just feel like that chemistry is a lot more stronger with uh, Dane Whitman than with uh, Icarus. But let's move on to the end credit scenes, which is, you know, the real reason we watch these movies is always the end credit scenes. We revealed Pip the Troll. Forgot to put that on my note. We revealed Star Fox, AKA. not the one from Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing yeah. I could think of. <laughs> Fox McCloud. Fox, not Fox McCloud, but uh, Thanos' brother, Star Fox, also known as Eros. We got revealed Black Knight, which is Dan Whitman. Dane. Dane Whitman. Dane. So close. And we got Blade. If you, you guys didn't know, the voice who talks to Dane Whitman at the end is Blade. And I know that me and the professor were talking in the background of that scene. You also see the owl in the back. You see some Egyptian artifacts. So maybe pointing at Moon Knight. Oh. little Mark Spector action. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah. Like in the movies, like he'll be involved in the movies or due to the show that's coming out. Like, He's got his own guys... show coming yeah. out. Yeah. But, show coming but it's out. like, they messed up. He might, he might show up in a movie somewhere, you know, just uh, don't get on his bad side. Do we know who plays uh, Blade? Is that like the cast? of Mahershala Ali. Where do we know him from? Mahershala Ali. He's in um, a bunch of different movies. Yeah, he's a probably well-known actor. Yeah, um, he was also in the uh, Luke Cage season one. He played Cottonmouth. Okay, I know who he is. Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. Then, you know, he got killed off on the show, which was really sad. He was in the Green Book. He's in Batman. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool, I guess. Uh, I'm looking through his IMDb, and I am not seeing anything I know off the top of my head. Yeah, it's... Well, he usually plays like... I don't want to say it's obscure movies. It's not totally obscure, but... He was in Alita Battle Angel. Sure, yeah. (laughs) For all 10 of you who saw that movie. Hey, man, that's a good movie. That's going up on like my... One of my top favorite anime adaptations. He's a, he's a really good actor though. Yeah, he's yeah, really nevertheless, good actor. yeah. He's a, yeah, I'm not I'm not worried at all that you know they're gonna mischaracterize Blade or anything like that. I'm really excited to see him come through. And yeah, I I didn't know it was his voice at first. Um, obviously being the professor, I, I didn't know. I didn't know at all until, until like right now. Yeah, just told me. I was like, what? Okay. Oh, I could, <laughs> yeah. I went online and I researched it, and everybody yeah. was like, oh, okay. that's Blade. I was like, I, I was like, I really wish to know how you guys. Knew. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not well, saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, how do you guys know? But okay, I'm excited. That well, the him. director confirmed it for the. That's oh, okay. that's how oh, we know. Okay. Everyone knows is the director confirmed that that was Blade's voice. Yeah, but just to add on, due to the you know uh, Thanos' brother Arrow, Star Fox, okay. Iron Man fifty five, you know, blew up because of that because he was also the uh, he, he appeared on Iron Man fifty five, also known as like first appearance of Thanos too. So oh wow, so that kind of blew up in the comic book oh, market. Oh, are you talking about the issue fifty five? Yeah. I'm like, well, <laughs> like what, what was Mark's, sorry? Yeah, what was Mark Iron Man fifty five? Why is it issue relevant? number fifty five? Yeah, <laughs> first appearance of Thanos and Arrows. Arrows. All right, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. 
I mean, definitely, if you keep listening to our podcast, me and the professor are going to be dropping two bonus episodes, one focused on Star Fox, one focused... Actually, no, it wasn't one focused on Star Fox, was it? It was one focused on Black Knight, one focused on Blade, and I guess one focused on Star Fox. Well, now, yeah, you promised the people. people I got to give it to them. Instead of two, it's three now. It's three now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we promised the people. We got to give them those focuses. Uh, Good thing we didn't mention the Moon Knight one, or else now it's four. I oh wait is, are we doing a Moon Knight one too? Now we're doing a Moon oh, now Knight. Now we're doing one. a new one. Man, just <laughs> keep listening. You're gonna get all these comic book histories for all these characters that are popping out in the MCU. We are not covering Pip the Troll, however, because Pip the Troll is actually an MCU original character, but he is based on a couple characters. What about Nova? Listen, we'll get there makes, when we get there. When he makes it to the MCU, we'll cover him. Okay. Yeah, we'll give him a, his people. We'll call our people, and we'll talk. Warlock. Chill, oh, chill, chill, chill. We already got four people. <laughs> <laughs> we got four scheduled up. Like, oh, okay. Listen, when Warlock comes up closer, we'll start doing oh, okay, him. We'll do you, him too. <laughs> do him too. You guys got a couple of bonus episodes <laughs> coming up as well. So, <laughs> don't think that we're gonna cover for you all the time. <laughs> but yeah, that was. I was very interesting. I like that we actually got to see a little bit of the Ebony Blade. I like that. Oh, yeah. You know, for lack of a better word, it looked very liquid-like. You know, it was very, it was very interesting. Uh, I can't wait to see him don the full costume and, you know, see him actually out there. Well, it was foreshadowed in the movie. Uh, the who asked Makari, did you find the ebony blade? And it's like, no. Sprite asked Thena if she yeah. found the ebony, ebony blade, blade, and she was like, nah, Excalibur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it was, it That's was right. foreshadowed in the movie. I wonder if this ebony blade is linked to the ebony blade that Gore the God Butcher uses, because as we all know, Gore the God Butcher is coming up in Thor: Love and Thunder. He also, oh, I think that's the Necro Sword, actually, not the ebony blade. Sorry, they both mean Black Sword. So, yeah, um, which is cool because the Necro Sword actually... Necro means death. Oh, death, You're thinking black. of Noir. Noir sure. means black. The Necro Sword actually decapitated the skull of the uh, Celestial that people use in nowhere. Mm. That they, they use as like a house. So maybe, you know, we start decapitating a couple more Celestials. <laughs> hmm. You know, I hope like in the end, like it does open up doors and brings out hopefully Galactus to play. You know, the whole galaxy... And planets, and he's like a planet eater. No, no, no. Do he like chewing on the celestials, or do you think he's just over there like people are delicious? <laughs> hmm. Does I don't he know. know that like each uh, part gives respect to the celestials since they create galaxies, you know? And listen until we, until we see a silver surfer come up, then we're gonna have to, you know, we have to wait for that Galactus movie. No, that door is always going to be open. I'm always going to bring Galactus. Yeah, I know you're always going to bring <laughs> it, but it's, it's not happening yet. Till we see a big purple glove. Mad uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anything interesting that you guys uh, noticed in the movie? Because uh, there's a couple things that I wanted to bring up. Like when Cersei does magic, it does kind of look like Doctor Strange's kind of rings a little mm. bit. Hers are obviously like solidified because they're like Eternals magic. They're, it's like a little different. But, you know, it does have the same circular structure as the uh doctor strange rings the little bracelets that they put on that you know we're gonna form the uni mind which apparently they didn't even need to form the uni mind at the I'm end. Sorry, the brainstorm is that what you're yeah. talking about the oh, brainstorm. Yeah. <laughs> those to me kind of look like the 10 rings a little bit and mm-hmm. you know yeah. i thought that you know i was like oh maybe at the end of shang chi when they're like oh it's calling out to something you know i was like oh maybe it is like a celestial kind of thing like they're calling out to the celestials or maybe as elstrom said they're calling out to a certain surfer of a certain atomic element that might uh bring the Galactus golden surfer oh uh, yeah the golden <laughs> surfer how did you know <laughs> whoa yeah but maybe it's calling out to the silver surfer um you know something like that 
And the last thing I wanted to bring up is that when he, you know, brings them out to trial, maybe they're going to the World Forge, is, is speculated, but maybe they're going somewhere else and they're actually, you know, going to go to the actual judge of the multiverse and talk to the living tribunal and he's going to decide what happens there, you know, so we might get a couple of new players in the cosmic verse, which is what I'm calling it, trademarking it right now. Marvel, if you <laughs> want to come, come back up the Brinks trucks. <laughs> no, hopefully they do like some type of a cosmic verse you know storyline so i think that's the direction i'm looking Moving. forward to that yeah. marvel's headed to the stars yeah all right guys that's gonna wrap up issue number 12 please uh don't forget about l charms giveaway for venom issue number one all the different variant covers i'm only giving away two so you get you guys get two winners this week please don't forget also about the rosarito project uh project that please donate at their uh instagram the at the rosarito project please check them out this is the second year they're going to be donating their time and money and all sorts of resources to underprivileged kids in Mexico. Also, please follow us on all our social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Variant Bros, and please visit our website, VariantBros.com. Last but not least, next week we are doing Kang number four and Dark Ages number three, plus the Disney drops from today's Disney day. We did see all the posts. We will be getting to it. Thank you very much. Also be on the lookout for our new mini segment of the week, Battle of the Bros. It's going to be a very fun one. I hope to see you guys there. Everything is fine. Hope you get lucky. Wake up. I remember my first grails. <laughs>